It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to episode 14 of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Josh Cohen alongside your boy Steve Noodleberg lucky number 14 you've made it, you've made it this far all the way to 14 Stevie all the way all the way to 14 all the famous 14s in sports anyone come to mind for you uh number 14 uh no but it's a t- it's a tougher number it's a tougher that? number but the it thought is. does come to mind well I was gonna say Richard Todd but he was seven no he was number seven correct uh 14. There is a famous quarterback that was 14. Yes, there was. By the end of the podcast, you'll know. Okay. As soon as we sign off. You're throwing me curveballs already. <laughs> Speaking of sports, our Super Bowl matchup is set. We, it is set. We have Philadelphia, and, uh, of course, we have New England Patriots. You were just in Vegas. So I was in Vegas. It's certainly, you know, lots of people betting on who was going to win. Of course. What was very interesting about the game, and I think it relates to sales, is I think everybody in the in America – was just waiting for New England to win the game. Mm-hmm. Even down 10 points in the fourth quarter. Felt I, it was inevitable. Well, I drive this point home with sales teams, and Eric and I will, will, will talk about this a, a lot. It, it, it was a mindset that you know, there's you play the game until the end, and you continue to block and tackle, and mm-hmm. you don't watch the scoreboard. Process. And you have a process that delivers victories. And Bill Belichick says the Patriot way, do your job. You do, you do your, if everyone does their job, you do your job, we win. How, un, how unbelievable is this? That 13 years ago, mm-hmm. Philadelphia was in the Super Bowl against New England, yep. and they were playing Belichick and Brady. <laughs> so yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, this is where we're it's at. It's unbelievable. The same guys are back. So success leaves clues. Pay attention. 44% of Tom Brady's career, he's played in the AFC Championship game. Think about that for a second. It's unheard of. So I'm going to start eating avocado ice cream. As well, you should. You probably should. You probably should. Our guest today is the owner of Melka Holdings, the founder of Art of Shaving, and someone that you've known and speak very highly of, Steve, and that uh, is love this guy. Eric Melka. It's great to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, great to be here. Our pleasure, indeed. Uh, Steve likes to have guests that are innovators and entrepreneurs and other thinkers, and not just looking ahead, but looking back to take stock and inventory of what they've done and seen so they can learn from that moment and advance forward and apply it in future endeavors. So, you know, in, in this case, it happens to be, you know, the Art of Shaving is one of my favorite brands. Uh, I use it. I was fortunate to do some work, you know, back in the day together, you know. Uh, and when I met him, I knew instantly that this was the kind of entrepreneur that I wanted to be around. Why? Why? Uh, you know, all of the rules that I talk about, learn to earn, you know, certainly, you know, he, um, but most... Um, and it may not even be a rule, it was in order to be successful in anything, Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what you're willing to give up to get it. And that's a big paradigm shift for a lot of people. And the story of how you founded The Art of Shaving, to me, stands above just about any entrepreneurial story. How did that come about? How how did that come about, the idea, The Art of Shaving Art? Well, first I have to say that my wife is an integral part of the business, and uh, together... 
uh, we moved to New York City and within a year stumbled onto the category. Um, how do you stumble? We, how do you stumble into the category? I got a job in the industry. Yes. I started selling uh, men's grooming products out mm-hmm. of England, some okay. old-fashioned stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. Started using a brush, actually. Mm-hmm. And my wife, simulta- in parallel to that, started to play with products in the kitchen. And she made our pre-shave oil while I was at work because I had razor burn. Sure. So we decided we were both very entrepreneurial. We wanted to start a business. And uh, we had no money to our name. The only thing I had was a, a BMW. Mm-hmm. And we sold it and found a location on 62nd Street in Manhattan. And a few months later, we opened our doors for business, called it The Art of Shaving. It's also called Balls of Steel. <laughs> yeah. It's called Betting well, on Yourself. Well, you know, I, I, I hear that a lot, but I had nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, I don't think, you know, I, I don't take credit for that. Later on, when I built the business and I was risking it all to grow it, I think that that was something that took a lot more balls. Sh- shaving is something that men, you know, either view as you do it three minutes a day or it's something you do the rest of your life, one way or the other. Creating a brand because there's a need for this, but you built a brand um, that was of somewhat luxury, but you made it an experience, I guess, in a sense, oh, right? Totally it, for, spot right? on. It, so this is, this is a whole new world. Exactly. So we, we just set out to sell cool shaving products. Next thing you know, we, were, we realized that men really were attracted to the experiential side of it. And also, you know, rewind to 1996, guys were shaving with a can of foam Correct. and a disposable razor yep. and basically ripping their skin off their faces every morning. That's mm-hmm. how you started your day as a, as a dude. Yep. Uh, so we, we basically took them from uh, horse and carriage to a Mercedes in one swoop uh, shot. How many retail locations uh, here at the peak of Art of Shaving? How many uh, How many locations were there? Right now? Yeah. Uh, 150 nationwide. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of stores. A lot of stores. That's creating a segment where, where one previously really didn't exist. Correct. That's recognizing that there's a need or a want and exploiting that, Steve. Well, you know, one of the things I, I teach in a lot of my trainings, it's not what you sell, it's the experience of how people receive it. And so I don't think people focused on what shaving could be. For me, when we first met, I was in the process of going hairless. Mm-hmm. And so I was like the poster child. I walked in there and I said, I, I want to use the products. For the top I- of your scalp. And the rest of my body, which yeah. I, you know, I shave, you know, pretty religiously. Yeah. So as a lot of men do. So, you know, for me, it was like, wow, you could make this a really nice experience. And so I think that's what people are attracted to is the experiences of going to the right hotel, going to the right restaurant, having the right things happen to your body. Um, and so in, in sales, when you break it down as a salesperson, it's really the experience of how they receive you, mm-hmm. you know, so it's really you know. we, we were lucky. We, we were smack in the middle of the trading up yeah. uh, era. Right. And you couldn't buy a Ferrari, but you can buy the shaving cream that the guy with the Ferrari uses. Right. That was trading up. And you could have luxury every morning that was affordable. And, it was and almost it, treating yourself. Treating yourself. As they say. And also, you recognize in an era in which, um, you know, men were becoming more susceptible to using lotions and creams and taking uh, products, uh, well, using utilizing products, where bef- before it was, like you said, a can of Barbasol 
and a yeah. 49 cent orange bic Ugh. and you threw it away and that was okay but this was a new era in recognizing that men were going to treat their skin and themselves and, and not in, in vanity per se but taking their appearance and, and skin care i guess more seriously that's right and i think we play a big part in in that uh, by calling it the art of shaving and focusing on shaving, we gave men a masculine entry and gave them permission to groom, which eventually developed into other categories of, of grooming. Yeah, I mean, just some of the, the, the lotions I bought, lavender, you know, some, you know some, there was some rugged stuff. There was, you know, and I was experimenting with different, you know, face washes. But one of the things we got to talking about just before we went on was the quality of the products that were going in we started talking about the skin being well you tell them you know the you know. well our philosophy we're into natural health we believe in natural ingredient organics and when we set out to create our own products we wanted everything to be made with the highest quality natural ingredients because uh the largest organ in the human body is the skin right. and anything you put on it will find its way into your bloodstream so we we took that very seriously and it became it became the, the, the purpose of the company was to improve men's health. But that also comes at the cost of margins because this is a big business. It's business, and you're not cutting corners, and somehow that's passed on to the consumer. I mean, at some point you have to make a decision, right? Well, our decision was to be the, 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 the best quality and at a premium price. So if you want quality, you pay a little bit more and you get a lot more. Yeah, this was not a cheap shave. This was, hey, if you want this, it's mm-hmm. available to you. But it is such a great experience. And so just, you know, again, understanding all of those things that guys just never used to pay attention to, that now all of a sudden somebody put them in front of, you know, put it in front of them. And so the innovation was, you know, I I would say most men have never had a a sit-down shave. Somebody with else a real, with, with a, a real razor, brush. with a brush and a razor. I mean, the, and we, we did a promotion with Roger Federer. That at uh, the Nasdaq or whatever it was called in Key Biscayne uh, at the so time, the Ericsson. It was the Ericsson, yep. where we, as men, were coming in. We had a whole setup, and you could sign up to get a shave right there. And the the winner got to do something with with, with Roger Federer. But the idea that men were coming up, going, you know what? I'm 50 years old. I've never had a sit down barber shave me, mm. and that's a real art. Those yep. guys are licensed. Sure, you know they're carrying a weapon. To shave you, and it is unreal, and you just lay back and so hot towel. And- we live in an age of brands, right? A brand is thrown around always. People are recognizing that they themselves are a brand. Their business, their products, their services are brands within themselves. You created a brand, and you did such. You didn't guess at the name, I'm going to assume. Shaving by its just very sound and name, it does emote. It evokes the masculinity. Right. Art allows you now luxury and opulence and there to be a little more expensive. This isn't Gillette the best a man can get. This is the art of shaving, a next level. But you're developing a brand. What do people, maybe in this age today, of uh, of uh, building their brands via social media, etc.? Steve has successfully himself. What do they maybe not understand about the process? Well, a brand needs to start with authenticity. You know, it's not something you can create in a lab or in a think tank. It's something that is an extension of who you are and you have to be true to it. Uh, there's a l- few elements to building a brand, you know, quality, uh, packaging, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but authenticity and, and a point of differentiation, something that sets you apart from every other company out there is what's going to 
get you noticed. It's he, doing he brings, your homework. He, he brings up a great point because one of the things about personal branding that's so significant is it's genuine and authentic to you as an individual. So what works for somebody else doesn't work for you. Most people are followers. They're not willing to that's right. invest and show themselves. They understand it when you talk about brands like The Art of Shaving. They get it. Oh, that's very different. I understand the colors. I understand the quality of people in the store, I understand the pricing. All of those same principles actually work for individuals when you apply them. Not everybody's a premium brand. That's okay. You as have long to you're know. Genuine, you got to know. Right. You gotta... it, if you ran the focus groups uh, and wanted to build a shaving brand, they would tell the, the consumer would tell you to do the exact opposite of what Without we did. A doubt. Right. Right. And that's the difference. So, so as and a, that's a difference. Yeah. Right. It's, you have to recognize there's a difference between how you want your brand to be perceived. And how it is perceived. And their perception is their reality. That's which is corporate all that really advertising. Ma- which is really all that matters. Which is really all that matters. The brand lives in people's or your consumer's minds, same as my brand lives in someone else's mind. I could tell them all day long what I want them to hear. Right. They're going to experience what they want when people go in or went into a, you know, a, a, an art, the art of shaving store. There was an experience. And what's relevant to today is that obviously Eric was successful enough. He sold the brand to Gillette and now has taken those skill sets mm-hmm. and moved them into a business that we're working on together, which I am super, super, super excited about. Number one, working with him, and number two, developing this new um, you know, new channel. So have uh, at it, my friend. Well, um, I got involved with a new business uh, with a local dermatologist, Dr. Loretta Serraldo, okay. who built a great business. Um, in the skincare space, we um, we help uh, doctors' offices, spas, and uh, plastic surgeons create their own brand in their practice overnight with a turnkey solution that uh, requires a very small upfront investment. Really, for their own products, for their own products. So they buy our products. We we put their brand on it ship it to their office. Wow. So and you next, go to your doctor and you see a lineup of oh, stuff yeah. behind there right. that are brands that they can be bought anywhere. Mm-hmm. They help the doctors. It's their own They help brand. the spas. They help. And hopefully we're going to innovate and come up with new channels where these type of products can be purchased with somebody's personal brand and influence on it. So it's really cool. Really, really fun business. We're, before we went on with the podcast today, we're talking about the difference between IQ and EQ. And you had very interesting points on that. I know it's not on the agenda for today. Go Eric, for but, it. Yeah, but by, by yes. all means, you read a book, and it applies in this conversation and all of sales and training and understanding this age in which we live. This book you said was about uh, EQ. EQ. And I think a lot of the 27 rules in your book relate to EQ more than IQ. Thank you. Really? Yeah. And, and, and now explain, please, what the difference that is. That was unexpected, between. too. Unprepared. <laughs> please, please explain I'm the difference. I'm plugging you. I'm plugging you. Between EQ and IQ. Well, what is EQ? What the book suggests is that IQ is something you're born with. So Einstein has very high IQ, and I don't. That's your nature. That, <laughs> that's, that's your genetics. That's right. genetics. That's right. You yep. can't change that. You can make the most of what you have, but you can't you can increase it. Whereas emotional intelligence is, is more like a muscle. And the more you use it, the more you develop it like a muscle, your brain will actually create neurotransmitters, new ones, that allow you to operate at a higher level in your life, which attracts uh, better relationships, attracts more happiness, more success, 
And EQ is something that one can actually control. So I'm fascinated by the subject. Slam dunk, by the way. That is like unbelievably on point. I never put it into those words. But that's exactly what happened. That's the book you should have wrote. You know, damn. <laughs> We'd be doing the EQ podcast. I'm going to start another one. Well, there is a book already. There is a book. And, <laughs> and I read, you know, religiously. So the name of the book. Learn to Earn. What's the EQ 2.0. Yeah, you know, that's the next EQ book I'll read. 2.0. Or, or listen to on audio. This book is Confessions of a Serial Salesman. 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders That Will Change Your Life and Business. That's this book that this podcast yes. is based upon. Yes, sir. Where it's always about, as we mentioned, learning to earn, and that makes sense perfectly. Our guest, Eric Melka, uh, the former, excuse me, the founder, rather, of The Art of Shaving, that recognized a need in the marketplace and developed a lifestyle brand and then recognized, okay, we're going to sell this company. And now on to the next thing, because it's always about taking chances and about stepping out of your comfort zone. I have a friend, an entrepreneur, he said, yeah, anyone can get lucky once. So I'm going to try and start all over in a different world and see if I can do it all over again because once might be lucky, but twice is a trend. That's right. Right. And now you're entrepreneurial in the same way that Steve is. So the, one of the rules I wanted to focus on, which is the way that we re-engaged, and I think it's really significant, is me building my personal brand on social media. Okay. Eric was watching the story. We hadn't spoken in quite a bit of time. I yep. think the last time was lunch down in Wynwood. We kept in touch. But I, I, he, I did not actually have to reach out to him to tell him anything. He was watching my journey Following. of starting to see speaking, training, and one day he reaches out and says, hey, I see what's going on. I think we may have a need. Let's just get together. And we got together, and you know, so it's so validating for me that the work I did in telling my story um, and I'm actually working with you know his salespeople now to do the same thing. Just tell your story. People are watching and listening and engaging. They may not actually say to you straight to your face, hey, I saw it, but they're out there. The audience is out there, right. Sim similar to your audience. Rule number 17 in the book, let's get social. That's the rule you're talking about right Correct. now you're speaking of. Yeah. Social media is a whole new world because it is social, but it is media, and everyone is their own, if they are able to, uh, become their own global television network, their own journalism. There was a point at which CNN was where news broke. And then the night <laughs> that the uh, two uh, Boston Marathon bombing suspects were being pursued by the police, everyone in cable news was in repeats of prime time, and the news broke on Twitter. And Twitter became the new CNN, if you will. Was that the... Tipping point. That there? was the tipping oh, point. I didn't of, realize that. That wow. was a night. It was after midnight, and everyone, CNBC, excuse me, uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, were all in reruns of their primetime lineup. And this was happening in real time on Twitter by those who were reporting that the suspects are being shots are fired. These streets now closed as it was happening. You know, on May first of two thousand eleven, there was a guy in Jalalabad who said, "I hear helicopters." That's strange for around this part of the world. Then he said, something's definitely going on because I'm hearing loud booms. Well, he broke the news to the world that Osama bin Laden was being raided. He went from having a couple hundred followers on Twitter to 80,000 because he had broken the news. We are all with our social media. You have an audience, but they all have an audience. Your audience has their own audience. You can grow, develop, and create a brand like these 19-year-old girls are doing on Instagram well, well, with no training whatsoever. Well, specifically, like even with you... You're on air, you have a, a persona, mm -hmm. but if people follow you on Instagram or any of the things, 
you are genuine to who you are. There's nothing unexpected. I meet you. I know you. Boom, I see you. That's you the, have to be the, genuine. That's the Where difference. That's the difference, and that's why he talked about authenticity. Yeah. I usually ask this question to people. I go, if you're going to go to a new town and you're going to go to a hotel, what would you do first? Would you just show up at the hotel? Or most people would actually go on Yelp and figure out what their peers are saying about it. Mm-hmm. The same thing has happened to people and to salespeople in particular. Because I can walk in there and tell you any story about me, who I know, what I'm capable of doing, and this is where the game has really changed. And you know what? I, once I tell you, you, have no, you used to have no way of understanding if I was lying. And believe it or not, which is kind of funny, some salespeople lie. And is that true, that's shocking. I know that's Is that totally true? Shocking. Do you agree with that? Totally um, salespeople might lie. I believe it. <laughs> I believe so it. the first thing you could do now is go on social media and check. By the way, if you're authentic, you don't have to lie. Correct. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The old saying, if you tell the truth, and you have sell- nothing to remember. And I can tell you for a fact that my hundreds of salespeople truly appreciated going to work every day and telling the truth. They were amazing. And how do you, so much how they do, didn't have to sell. Right? But how do you sell, foster? Sales became a dirty word. How does point. one foster that environment? I had a, I had a part-time oh, gig. That's, that's the number one job of a CEO. Okay, but, but creating you, a culture. You're the guy. So it is all about culture. It's all about culture. They must believe in the product. Well, the brand needs to have a purpose, and that's what people believe in. People believe in the purpose of the brand. As I said, we believed in natural ingredients. We believed in improving people's health. By using our product. Yeah, you know, and, w- walking into your stores, all of the people that were there were totally groomed from head to toe. I mean, they were like, wow. Because, because they're almost they had to be groomed, but Correct. what they didn't have to be is passionate that's and authentic. Point. That's an excellent point. And they, were, they all felt like owners because they felt they were really part of something bigger than themselves. And that, that culture is, is the most important piece, really, most important. of all of this. That's the magic. Well, well, what's nice is that the new business that you're in allows people to extend their brand so people can take it home. So I go, I have a good experience with my doctor or my spa or wherever I am. Now I'm taking their products and everything I believe about that experience, I can extend it at home, which was similar to what Art of Shaving did. But yeah, right now we're not a brand. We're... You right. know, we, we provide a brand for others, but Which what we do is we add tremendous values to their business. Now, what does that mean in layman's terms? We add tremendous values so to their business. So by having their own brand, they can uh, provide high-quality products to their customers that make them loyal to their practice mm. by coming back to their practice for those very products that they cannot find anywhere else but in that practice. And that adds value. In a day and age where you can buy products anywhere on Amazon, on your phone, uh, having the ability to bring the customer back to your business is, is for, a huge for the right value. product too. You know, the understanding that the product that they're getting has been recommended. Obviously, they have their their name on it. Right. It was you know, great. You, you look at you know lotions and potions and stuff like that. I don't know what to buy, what not to buy, mm-hmm. what has the right oil, what has the right mix. You know what you know. This sort of ours says, was developed by a dermatologist correct. for dermatologists. Yeah. I notice uh, I pay attention as a consumer and as a broadcaster to declare yourself a whitening toothpaste. You just have to be a toothpaste because if there's any kind of abrasive ingredient, well, it's going to whiten. I look at the box. The one box is four dollars and nineteen cents whitening toothpaste. 
The other one is Colgate's regular base. It's a dollar and forty-seven cents. <laughs> I look at the ingredients. Both have uh, sodium fluoride ion zero point two four percent. One has created this idea um, of they're a better product whitening, and it's the exact same thing. It's just repackaged, repurposed. Well, those are brands created in the marketing department, um, and that's really marketing. Yeah, there's there's some. Some of them are valid claims, but it's marketing. They need newness to talk about. But it's not a better product like you created when you recognized that there was a marketplace. As you said, the upgrade era. Maybe you couldn't drive the Ferrari, but you can shave like the guy who does. We believe we did, yes. We, we created product in our own laboratories that delivered on the promise. You know, with shaving is different than other categories. You know, if you want to whiten it in your if you buy a toothpaste, you're going to w- wait months mm-hmm. to see results. Right. Which shaving is the first stroke of the razor. It tells you if you're awesome or, or bad. So uh, you can't fool the consumer with that. Entrepreneurs um, step out of their comfort zone. They bet on themselves. They sell their BMWs. And, but, but oftentimes, it's about improving an existing idea, isn't it? It's a better way to shave. It's a experiential, uh, knowing that you're going to be doing this every day. Why not look forward to the process and enjoy the process? Well, I think there's brands and there are brands, right? I'm, I'm uh, passionate about iconic brands. So iconic brands create trends. Yes. Every other brand, you know, follows trends to a certain extent. And that's really where you can separate the iconic ones. Rule number 27 was also to be covered today, Steve. Give to get. Explain again what that means to you. I know because it's Rule 27 out of the 27 rules of your book. Yeah, you know, for me, it was, it's funny. We've already spoken about it, but the, the give to get was that he was willing to give up the car, convenience, all of that to get something. So give, Sacrifice. Give, give, to Compromise. Get, give to get in the book means a lot of different stuff. I think being a good corporate citizen, the the event that we did at the you know with Roger Federer was all for charity. Mm. So there's a lot of different takeaways that the words give to get. If you are willing to give of yourself, I as a salesperson am programmed to walk in to meet somebody and say, "What do I know that I could give you that can help you to earn your trust, your relationship, and stuff like that?" Specifically, the funny story that I wanted to get to was please when we no was when we met. And, you know, this is the, one of the first things I said, hey, let, let me hear your story. He told me, hey, in our, you know, we sold our BMW. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at successful people, they have given up something to get to the next level. It is a, it is a universal. It's a common denominator. It's though. a universal law action. that. It's an action. Show, yeah, action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all, you know, a lot of people dream of being entrepreneurs and right. talk about it right. and develop the plan. This is no and bullshit. Others, right. others do. And universal, you talk to everybody, they can tell you what they gave up to get it. And I think in dealing with the sales environment today, which is why we do this show, is that people are not real focused on what they're willing to give up. Well, we live in they an want age. everything. Listen, there's an old saying. I every, want it all. There's an old saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Yeah. But we live <laughs> in an instant gratification nation yeah. age of... What's the easiest way? What's the path of least resistance? But the universe or the Lord, creator, whatever you believe, isn't it interesting that the tougher thing to do in life, the harder the thing to do, is generally better for you? Whether it's eating right, eating poorly. Whatever is harder to do is actually better to do. It's almost the universe set it up that way. So the difference you're saying is who's willing to take that action? Yeah, I mean, the enemy of entrepreneurs is comfort. 
And if you're not willing to take the pain, you're not going to get the reward. And, and there and, is pain involved with that. And as he said, journey, he said this, every well, single person that was in the stores, mm-hmm. he treated them like an entrepreneur. So that entrepreneurial mindset doesn't live in the white tower. You take it down to everybody and say, listen, you, re- you represent us right now. When people are interacting with you, you are the art of shaving or you are cosmetical or you are on the ball. And so all of that is, you know, how are you representing the brand? What are you willing to give up? It's everything. It's everything. And so that choice. The most important person in my company is the one talking and touching the customer. Without a doubt. I mean, that's that's the CEO is the one serving them to do their job as best. Eric, one last question, a piece of advice or wisdom for those who are listening, who are selling and motivating others to, but want to step out of that that job, that position they're in, and want to pursue their own. I have an idea. I I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm not yet because I'm not, as you said, taking that action step. I'm not suffering or sacrificing. Your one piece of advice or wisdom to them would be what? Uh, Do it. If you really want to be an entrepreneur, you have to give yourself permission to try. Give yourself permission to try. You got to do it. That's interesting. Give yourself permission. You might regret it if you don't. You might fail. And but if you don't okay. try, you're guaranteed okay. not to make Amen. it. Amen. And authenticity, as you mentioned earlier, must be everything. Is there anybody more authentic than this? I mean, Eric Melka. He is the uh, owner, Melka Holdings uh, LLC, and the founder of The Art of Shaving. Uh, thank you for the time today. And, and you know, your book's great, Steve, but now we're going to read EQ uh, totally, yeah. 2.0 as well. Everybody's offering something to the universe, so you got to well, take thank advantage. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much. We don't ask folks how they're doing. Nope. We ask them what, Steve, to tell yeah, you always. something good. Tell me something good. So you hear Shaka Khan, and that means it's your time to tell us something good as we wrap this 14th episode of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast. What do you got? So I hear something good. I gave back last night. I was asked to speak at the uh, Nova Southeastern Entrepreneurial School. Very nice. So I got a chance to speak to my friend Nick Castaldo's uh, class of aspiring entrepreneurs. Wow. And it was basically um, an hour and a half on mindsets, and they devoured me. They were fantastic. The questions were great. Uh, The... They're fearless. There's a different element of people uh, coming up behind us that the road that we've paved. And so it was great for me to give back. You know, they, he's asked uh, numerous times, and I, I always say yes. And so between JA, Junior Achievement, and Nova Southeastern, um, live a philosophy of giving back, and, well, and it comes back to you. Congratulations. You. And this next generation, they need more than ever because they're less willing to sacrifice. Yeah. They're less willing to sell the BMW, Yes, if you will, as we learned today from Eric. Uh, maybe we should go for 15. What do you I, think? I think we're, we're on a streak yeah. here. It's getting a little bit harder to binge it. Yeah, you, know, you think? If you start listening now, you got to do 15. Got to keep going. Like, you know, God, I want to binge listen. You know, so it's, Well, I say, <laughs> I say we do it again, though. But, but you talk about the quality of guests, man. Today's information Tremendous. was incredible. Tremendous. Uh, for those of that are that listen, if you want to develop your own brand, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't really do commercials, but this is a really cool thing yep. that he's doing in, in skincare products. You know, f- find Eric on social or, or reach out to me. Eric Melka, M-A-L-K-A, or of course, direct to Steve. All right, well, we'll do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you for all you do. Thank Both you. Both of you guys. Thank you for and all Shay. that you do. On behalf of Steve Noodleberg, uh, this was episode 14. Get the book. 
Confessions of a Serial Salesman, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders that Will Change Your Life and Business. And we'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast.